Welcome to Leadership and Life with Sandy Giroux. When you think about today's great leaders, do you ever wonder what makes them so great? Is it just the titles they hold? Or could it also be how they behave toward their people? They lead effectively, not because they have a job in their life, but because they bring life to the job. By following their examples, you can do the same. Now, here's your host, Sandy Giroux. Well, hello again, and welcome back to Leadership and Life. I'm your host, Sandy Giroux, and I'd like to focus our show today on a few stories. Why? Because storytelling is one of the most effective and impactful methods of leadership and communication, and it's gaining traction in the business world to engage and galvanize teams, to inspire others to action, and most of all, to humanize the founders and leaders of the organization so they can connect better with their teams. But why is storytelling so impactful? Well, a man named Alex Krotoski said it best. Stories are memory aids, instruction manuals, and moral compasses. They're the way that information is passed down from generation to generation. You find many societies out there who didn't have technology for a long time or didn't have many, many things that we have in society now, but they have all got one thing in common, storytelling, to pass down their legends and their stories and their history from one generation to the next and to prove points and teach lessons. I mean, don't you grasp a point much better through a story than through a lecture? Of course you do. We all do. And that's because we connect heart to heart as humans. But stories also do much more than connect us to each other. They show us how to apply new concepts to our own lives. So the concept is not wasted or lost on us. They also become case studies that show us what to do as well as what not to do in similar situations to those that are in the stories. Because the people there share them so that they can help others not make the same mistakes they've made. So what kinds of stories can you share that will make an impact on your organization or your life or the life of your employees, your family, or your community? I tell my speech writing and speech coaching clients that the story must have a point that's connected to the concept you're trying to communicate. Otherwise, you're just going down a rabbit hole, you know, and you're um, going off track and wasting time. And the stories should be pretty short and sweet, not long and rambling, unless you break it up into separate parts with each part illuminating a perfect or a pertinent point or lesson. Many keynote speeches are based on a single story where you start the story, you make a point, you continue with the story, you make another point related to the next part of that story, etc., etc. So you weave the story all throughout the keynote. Well, you can do the same with short pieces of stories to make specific points with your team members. And I also tell my clients not to be the hero of every story. I mean, no one wants to hear just how great someone else is or that they've never made a mistake in their lives or that everything they've ever done has come out perfectly first time. That's not real. Everybody knows it. They want to know where you've failed and how you've overcome the same types of challenges that they're facing. Sure, you can triumph in the end, but share those bridges and the challenges that you had to cross to get there. 
I can't tell you how many times people will come up to me after a presentation, either training or keynote or any kind of uh, big presentation, and tell me that they appreciate the fact that I shared my failures with them as well as my successes. So, for example, one of my signature stories related to both customer service and living our values is about a man who made a huge impact on me one time, not because he was asked to do it, not even because he was paid to do it, but simply because of who he was. I was in Chicago for a speaking engagement several years back when my back went out, and I mean out. As I tried to pick myself up off the floor in front of the hotel elevators, hotel management was rushing toward me saying, we have to call 911. <laughs> I looked at them, 911? Don't call 911. I'm not going to a hospital. I have a speaking engagement. <laughs> speaking engagement? How are you going to speak? You can't even breathe. I don't know, but please just help me to the car that's waiting for me outside and I'll figure it out one step at a time. But whatever you do, don't call 911. So they called 911. <laughs> and I literally became the property of the Lake Forest, Illinois Fire and Rescue and Police Departments, having to basically sign away my rights and my life in an effort to protect everyone from the lawsuit that they were convinced I would file when this was all over. That's our society nowadays, isn't it? Everyone has to protect themselves from lawsuits, even from a simple accident. Now, once all the paper was signed in triplicate, I did manage to get to my feet, stay on my feet for the next three hours to do my program, and then get myself to the airport for the trip home. But by the time I got there, I was physically, mentally, and emotionally exhausted. I could barely stand, almost couldn't breathe, and was about at the end of my rope when I began the long trek to my gate at that tiny little airport known as O'Hare. <laughs> right. Well, on about my third step, I felt that sickeningly familiar feeling that told me my back and legs were about to give out yet again. So I grabbed the handle of my laptop bag for support. Note to self, if you're going to grab the collapsible handle of your laptop bag for support, it's best not to press the button that releases the locking mechanism. So I started to go down, and as I did, two people, two good Samaritans, rushed up from behind me and grabbed me one under each arm to help keep me from falling. <laughs> and upon seeing my plight and my pain, one of them said, We need to call 911. No, no, don't call 911. Whatever you do, do not call 911. Been there, done that, got the t shirt. I just need to get home. So as we tried to decide what to do, one of my helpers said, oh, look, straight across from us was one of those carts that takes you around the airports sitting idle as if waiting for us. Well, we no sooner noticed the cart than the driver noticed us. He was a big bear of a man with arms that looked as though they could have carried me, my bags, and the cart if need be. And after inquiring about the problem, he came right up to me, looked into my eyes, put one hand on each of my arms to help hold me up, and asked me my name. 
When I told him, he said, Hi, Sandy. My name is Victor. I'm going to help you get home. Everything is going to be all right. And for the first time since crumpling into a puddled mass in front of the hotel elevators that morning, I actually began to believe that it would be. I I looked up at his face and over his shoulder, searching really hard for the halo and wings that had to be there. For as sure as I was standing there, a guardian angel had been sent to help me. But guardian angels don't have halos and wings, do they? No. They come in all different colors, all different shapes, all different sizes. Mine wore jeans and a t-shirt, and he drove an airline travel cart. (laughs) Well, I started to relax and almost cried with relief, finally realizing that I wasn't out there all alone on my own anymore when I just didn't have the strength to continue. But help me continue, Victor did. He stayed with me for an hour and a half. Since you never know when the gate for any particular flight will be changed, right? Which mine was. He even made arrangements for a narrow airplane aisle chair to be brought to my gate in case I needed help getting to my seat on the plane. And then he called ahead to Orlando to arrange for a wheelchair on the other end. Wow, right? I hadn't even thought that far ahead. I couldn't. I was just trying to get from one minute to the next, but Victor thought ahead for me. And as he expertly and patiently helped me by making all the arrangements I needed, not just at that moment, but all the way through my journey to Orlando, I said to him, thank you, Victor, for making me feel so safe and so secure. You're my guardian angel. To which Victor replied, well, that's the way my mama raised me. Oh, that said it all, didn't it? In one sentence, Victor showed me his true values, and he demonstrated those values to everyone he meets, even a perfect stranger. And now you may say that Victor's job dictated that he help everyone he meets, even perfect strangers, but Victor's values dictated how he did that job. And that's really the most important point, isn't it? How we do our jobs, how we live our lives. Do we really want to just, quote, do our jobs or live our lives, simply going through the motions to get from point A to point B? Or do we really care about the people for whom we're doing those jobs and let that care and compassion, in other words, our values, Victor's values shine through in everything we say and do. I mean, wouldn't we all have better places to live and work together if we all just had a little bit more of Victor's values? If we helped create more victors and fewer victims, too many of us fall victim to poor values and poor service, don't we? To people who don't possess, or even if they do possess, fail to exhibit Victor's values in their lives. What if we could remember that even the most seemingly trivial of actions on our part can make a monumental difference to someone in need of that particular action at that particular moment? 
Now, it's up to us to create a true victory by acting according to our values and not necessarily according to our mood each and every time we have a choice to either remain complacent and do nothing or possibly make a monumental difference in the life of someone else. I mean, now, because our society would be a better place to raise our families if we did this, our companies would be better places to work if we did this, and this world would be a better place to live if we all acted according to our values, if we all just had a little bit more of Victor's values. Isn't it worth focusing on our values in everything that we do in order to make sure that we treat people the way that we can and help them to the highest level possible? Now, that's one of my signature stories I call Victor's values. What if I had just lectured you, though, about acting according to your values and doing the right thing? Well, the point would have been made, but would it have been remembered? And would you have connected with it and hopefully been inspired like you were by the story to follow my suggestion to always think and act proactively on behalf of someone else? Probably not. Because a lecture isn't inspiring. It isn't engaging. It doesn't make anyone connect heart to heart with anything that anybody says or does. But here's the other thing that telling Victor's story did. It helped me develop a quick template for creating more victors and fewer victims. I share this story and the template that I developed with my live audiences as I'm sharing the story and will be sharing that template with you today. The template, the template is called the one, two, threes of doing more than a piece. And you can implement this immediately in your daily lives. In fact, several of my clients made posters of the one, two, threes of doing more than a piece. And they have them in their back offices, in their break rooms, at their cubicles, everywhere to help people remember the template and how to implement Victor's values and everybody's values in their daily lives. So the template is based on three simple questions we can all ask ourselves in any service situation. Question one is, what can I do now? See, this is the question that every service representative or every human being will ask and answer, and then consider the job basically done. The problem is that's the bare minimum. It's what's expected. And it's sometimes done just to appease the other person and make them go away, right? Oh, let me just do the basic minimum, get them off my back, and I'll be done. But if we really want to be able to create wow experiences, we have to ask question number two, which is, what else can I do now? See, this is where we go beyond simply appeasing the other party and begin doing something unexpected and therefore much more appreciated. What else can I do in this situation that will make an impact on this person? But if we really want to create a lasting wow experience, then we have to go to question number three, which is 
what else can I do later or for later? This question requires proactive thinking on behalf of another person. And this is what makes the most lasting impact long after your personal interaction is over. When we come back from a short break that we'll be taking in a moment, I'm going to just reiterate and recap what Victor did naturally that fit perfectly into this template and this formula that you can use to create wow experiences for other people. So come on back and we'll put Victor's story into the template to show you how to apply it in your lives as well. Talk to you in a few. Do you sometimes find it challenging to inspire your team members to engage and contribute to your organization's success? Do your team members have trouble communicating across and even within generations? Leadership and Life is dedicated to helping you turn your workplace into a wow place by implementing everyday actions that inspire your teams to reach higher. Sandy Giroux, founder and CEO of Wow Place International, has over 30 years of leadership experience and offers deep insights to help leaders and team members build a bridge to understanding and improving the workplace experience. Her insights for leaders help them uncover blind spots and identify what they may be doing to inhibit employee engagement. Her insights for team members inspire them to seek new perspectives, understand others' viewpoints, and find ways to go the extra mile to create wow experiences. Sandy has helped over 25,000 attendees in 125 companies activate a culture of wow. For more information, visit thewowplace.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. This is Leadership and Life. To reach Sandy Giroux or her guest today, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send an email to sandy at thewowplace.com. Now, back to Leadership and Life. And welcome back. Now, before the break, I told you about my formula for easily and instantly creating wow experiences called the one, two, threes of doing more than appease. But let me just recap Victor's story And put it into the formula, into the template, so you can see just how easy it is for you to think of this in your own life. Now, for question number one, Victor got me into the cart and got me to my gate. He answered question number one, what can I do now? 
he could have then just dumped me off there like people usually do. I mean, you don't normally need your cart driver to sit with you for very long anyway. So the norm is they get you to the gate and they go on to the next passenger. But he saw that I was in trouble there and he stayed with me. He asked question number two, what else can I do now? He asked that actually two times. First, he asked, what else can I do? I can stay with her, make sure she's okay. And if her gate changes, I'll be here for her. She won't have to wait and maybe miss her plane. But then he asked it again by bringing a very narrow aisle chair to the gate just in case I couldn't get to my seat on the plane. He thought of that. I didn't even know they had things called aisle chairs, but he did And he got it for me. And then for question number three, what else can I do later or for later? By calling ahead to Orlando and ordering the the wheelchair on the other end. Oh, my gosh. He helped make another incredible wow for me. And when I got to Orlando and that wheelchair was waiting for me, I was reminded all over again of Victor's kindness and compassion for other people. And it warmed my heart. Now, I am sure that Victor had no idea that some hurting speaker would be coming through his airport that day. But I will never, ever forget what he did for me by acting according to his values. And I have never stopped telling this story, even now, many years later. That ladies and gentlemen, is one example of a story that can be used to inspire others to reach higher service, higher heights to help other people. But there are many more ways that stories can be used. For example, I read a great story in Forbes magazine, and they labeled the category of this type of story as a pivotal story because it describes a pivotal moment in an organization's history that shows what the founders and therefore the company were made of. Now, the story takes place in 1859 when a train crashed near Johnson Creek, Wisconsin. Fourteen people were killed that day, two of whom had recently become policyholders of a brand new insurance company named Northwestern Mutual. Um, It's 2018 and they're still here. The claims for the accident at that time totaled $3,500. However, the new company, that fledgling company, only had $2,000. Now, some companies would have simply reneged on the claim and said, wow, this happened too fast. We haven't even had enough time to gather the resources we needed. But this company's leaders instead quickly took out a loan to pay the claims and do right by their policyholders. A very bold and risky move, but morally and ethically the right one. And of course, it paid off, not only in keeping the company alive to live on for many, many years, but to encourage its employees to always do the right thing as well, knowing that their leaders will even put their finances on the line to do the right thing. This inspiring story has been repeated to both employees and customers ever since it happened. You see, pivotal stories like this one show how company leaders think, how they overcome challenges, and how committed they are to doing the right thing. Do you have a pivotal story you can share with your customers and employees to show them what you're made of? If so, 
craft that story. Tell people about it and use it as a great tool to foster the kind of culture that you wish to create. Another type of story is one that recognizes good works and it's told to the colleagues, the customers, and even family members of the employee who is being recognized at the time. Rather than simply giving them an award or holding a ceremony or dinner and then sharing the stories of the employees' attitudes, successes, and accomplishments and how they came about, which is a fantastic thing to do, not only that, but it's also a fantastic way to let that person feel public pride in what they've done. It also gives a sort of roadmap to other employees to let them know the types of things that they can do to receive similar recognition in the future. Now, a really effective way to do this and tell their story is to reveal pieces of the story before telling the person's name. This way, you build suspense as you tell the story. You get the audience involved in trying to guess, oh, who is that? I think I know who that is. And then you let a little thing slip. Oh, that's a man or that's a woman. Oh, okay, that narrows it down a bit. Not only does it let the person feel pride when they finally find out it's them or they may know ahead of time, but the whole audience is engaged in a wonderful and positive guessing game to see who this fantastic person is as you build that story up. You know, this is often used at banquets where there are several nominees for a particular award, and that's where they have to guess. But it's a very effective tool that can also emphasize and amp up the person's pride while getting everyone involved in the story and even more excited when the person's name is revealed. So try this at your next banquet or award ceremony. It's a wonderful way to recognize and reward your people. Another type of story, though, is one that helps people recognize themselves in other people's behavior without having to admit the behavior themselves. I mean, none of us want to admit when there's a, a fatal flaw that we might be demonstrating, but, and sometimes we have blind spots. We don't even recognize them. Um, we don't even recognize them ourselves. But if we see it in somebody else, then we can say, oh my goodness, I think I do that too. Here's an example of this kind of story. And this is a story I tell when I want to help people see that in order to succeed in this world, you must be flexible and adaptable enough to quickly change gears and find a way to capitalize on whatever opportunity may be before you, even if it's not what you expected to find. Now, I call this segment and the the actions you need to do that's associated with it, if you can't change the situation, change your expectations. Here's the story. Several years back, I was at a SHRM conference. Now, SHRM, S-H-R-M, stands for Society for Human Resource Management. I was speaking at their international conference and trade show. Now, if you've ever been to a typical conference that has an expo or trade show, you know that sponsors come to the event, they set up booths and have an opportunity to talk to potential customers there in an effort to introduce them to and sell them their products and services. However, the SHRM conference and trade show is like almost none other. It is ginormous. 
It is ginormous. There are actually 12,000 attendees or so at this conference, and the trade show floor has hundreds of booths. Now, in order to get the attention of the attendees, the booth owners set up prize wheels that are spinning, they play videos, they play games, and mostly they hold raffles where they give away great prizes like iPads and Zoom cameras and other pretty big ticket items. But the whole trade floor and expo is like a circus. And the way you interact and mostly enter their raffles is by letting them scan your badge. That does two things. It enters you in the raffle and it lets them capture your information so that, of course, you can expect a call from them later on when then they'll talk to you about their products and services, but not right there at the booth because there are just too many people and too much going on. Well, At lunch one day, a woman came up to a bunch of us sitting at a table and said, you won't believe what just happened to me. (laughs) We said, what? She said, well, I went up to a booth, and before I even got to it, the man behind the table looked at me and said, are you interested in what we have to offer, or are you just here for the prize? oh, excuse me, let me take the knife out of my heart. <laughs> so she stammered out, well, I, I suppose I'm, I, I'm interested in your process, you, you know, products. And, you know, she talked to him for a minute, got through the ordeal and then left. But she told us, you know, I may have been interested in his products, but honestly, if they call me later, I don't want to talk to them. He humiliated me. Wow. Apparently, that gentleman was used to much smaller trade shows where you actually get to talk to people about business. And when he got to the Sherm conference and discovered that that just wasn't possible, he was not flexible enough to recover from his shock and figure out how to make the situation work work for him, which would have been to just give them a warm and fuzzy feeling, at least begin a relationship, show some interest in them, enter them in the raffle, wish them good luck, and then make a subsequent call to his prospective client later on. I mean, come on. Did he really think he was going to sell anything at a circus? No. So consequently, he shut down the very opportunity that his company paid thousands and thousands of dollars for him to receive. Now, Monster.com knew exactly what they were there for. They had a large stage and they had placed 25 chairs in front of the stage where people could sit and play a game to win prizes. Mostly this huge monster doll that was absolutely adorable. And people wanted to win this doll for their children and grandchildren. Now, around the 25 chairs, monster employees had also set up an area where they allowed 25 more people to gather and they gave each of them a number. Now, these people couldn't play the game. However, every once in a while, an employee would come out on stage, hoist a monster doll in the air, and throw it into the crowd. (laughs) It was pretty funny and a little bit frightening to see 50 grown men and women screaming and elbowing and pushing each other to try to catch these dolls. But I got to tell you, 
My granddaughter loves her monster. <laughs> and then here, <coughs> here was the real added brilliance of this move on the part of Monster.com. The dolls were actually too big to fit into most travelers' luggage. So the people who had the dolls had to perch them on top of their carry-on bags. And after the conference was over, hundreds of these dolls were serving as mobile billboards for Monster.com, as fellow passengers and airline and airport employees, taxi drivers, restaurant workers, everybody was all asking, what is up with these gigantic dolls? And happy conference attendees were more than pleased to relate their fun story courtesy of Monster.com at airports all over the country and really the world when they got back home. There are so many points, great points that can be gleaned from this story in addition to my original point about being flexible enough to capitalize on the opportunities before you. There are great lessons on how to involve att attendees in fun activities at trade shows and, by the way, training sessions. Uh, there's a great lesson about word of mouth and other types of advertising and how to make a huge visual impact that sparks conversations about your products and services. There are also great lessons on how to begin new relationships in a positive way and how to shut those down if you do it wrong, but how to set the stage for continuing that relationship later on by doing it right. All because I told you one little story that I hope you will remember and take with you for many, many years to come. Now, with the story of Victor's values and the template called the one, two, threes of doing more than a piece, we've talked about the story that offers a lesson and inspired an easy-to-use template that people can implement immediately in their personal and professional lives to create wow experiences and be of service to others. We also talked about sharing stories of others' good works in order to recognize and reward them. I mean, who doesn't want to be the topic of a great story that may come or may not even come with a reward. But people just love the fact that they are appreciated. And guess what? If you amp that up a little bit and have a web page dedicated to all of your employees who have won awards or a newsletter that highlights the employee of the month and gives them kudos for things that they've done or possibly even have press releases about them, what do you think happens to all of that, especially if it's in a public forum or on your website? They will tell everybody they know, hey, go to this website, go to this page, I'm on there, look at this because the pride will be there. Now they're sending people to your website to possibly work for you purchase your products and services, or even just get the much-needed positive PR that any employee or any company would kill to have their employees give to them, right? Or have anybody give. You know, expensive things happen when you try to do regular advertising, and it is worthwhile. But if you can get fantastic word of mouth, get people to visit your website just because you're offering something that other people want to talk about, that is a huge thing. Now, 
there's also another type of story that can be used to illuminate the human condition and help people recognize their own actions, much like the Sherm conference and trades show story. That's what we try to do when we're giving lessons on customer service, leadership, any kind of a staff training that I do. I always have things in there that help people see their own actions in other people's behavior because it is very often difficult to point it out. You can use this too, and it's called indirect influence. When you use a third-party story to help someone see themselves in their own, in the story and see their own actions there so that they can change and they can recognize things without it having to be pointed out to them. Now, it's just about time for another break, but when we come back, I'm going to share the fact that we can use our own personal story to help others see how they triumphed or we triumphed over tragedy or bad luck. This will inspire people as well. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Do you sometimes find it challenging to inspire your team members to engage and contribute to your organization's success? Do your team members have trouble communicating across and even within generations? Leadership and Life is dedicated to helping you turn your workplace into a wow place by implementing everyday actions that inspire your teams to reach higher. Sandy Giroux, founder and CEO of Wow Place International, has over 30 years of leadership experience and offers deep insights to help leaders and team members build a bridge to understanding and improving the workplace experience. Her insights for leaders help them uncover blind spots and identify what they may be doing to inhibit employee engagement. Her insights for team members inspire them to seek new perspectives, understand others' viewpoints, and find ways to go the extra mile to create wow experiences. Sandy has helped over 25,000 attendees in 125 companies activate a culture of wow. For more information, visit thewowplace.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Leadership and Life. To reach Sandy Giroux or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to sandy at thewowplace.com. Now, back to Leadership and Life. 
And we are back with more information and stories about the impact of storytelling in a business or really any environment for that matter. Now, before the break, I told you we were going to talk about how we can use someone's personal story to see how they triumphed over tragedy or bad luck or even just plain old stinking thinking, which happened to me in the past. But before we get to that, I did want to share one quick study with you that was done because it really does show that storytelling is not just about, oh, let's have a good time. Let's tell a couple of stories. No, storytelling with a purpose is a humongous, humongous um, tool that is now being recognized worldwide for leaders to be able to use to communicate better with their people and to get things done. And there was a study that was done. It's a 10-year study on 100,000 people throughout the U.S. and Canada. It was conducted by the O.C. Tanner Institute and HealthStream confirms it, that recognition and appreciation tops the list of things employees say they want most from their employers. So, of course, we already talked about the fact that you have to be competitive in your pay, but recognition and appreciation are topping the study. According to this study, 79% of employees who quit their jobs cite a lack of appreciation as a key reason for leaving. And when you talk to the people who have the highest morale at work, 94.4% agree that their managers are very effective at recognizing them and telling a story about the great work that they've done. So how do we inspire people to overcome their own obstacles, challenges, tragedies, etc.? Well, let me share my story. And I call it a case in point. Flashback to 1994. I was working as a secretary for a man who apparently believed that management by intimidation was the way to go. (laughs) And his wife, who didn't even work for the company, believed it even more passionately than he did. Every single day, I was in this woman's direct line of fire simply because I worked for her husband. But during this time, one woman changed my life with one sentence. She said, you know, you'd be a good realtor. (laughs) I laughed at her the first time she said it. I had never sold a thing in my life at that point. I thanked her for the compliment and quickly forgot about that crazy idea. We're not always ready to hear new ideas the first time they come around, are we? So although my mind was willing to put that thought aside because I wasn't ready, apparently my heart wasn't. And when she repeated the comment about three months later, this time after crying at my desk, I mean, 38 years old and I'm crying at my desk. Do I need that? Do I need to be feeling that way that I need to cry about how badly I'm being treated by someone I barely even know? No. So I was ready to hear it. And I figured, wait a minute. She was a real estate broker and owner. She knew successful realtors, and she saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself. So I figured, well, I can't go anywhere from here but up. So I leaped 
Ed promptly found out just how wrong that was. I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. I am 38 years old. I have never failed at a job yet. I am not about to start now with real estate. And as I looked around, I started seeing people just like me who were achieving the kind of success that I desired. So I got more education. I got a coach and I started to dream more importantly, though, I started to believe that I could do it, too. And within two years, I broke my first six-figure income ever. Ever. That, ladies and gentlemen, changed everything. Everything I'd ever believed about my potential as an income earner, as a career person, As a woman, I know ladies don't slap me, but back in the day, we were not the big breadwinners. The men were mostly the breadwinners. We were the support person, and I never thought about myself as a big breadwinner. But I've got to tell you, this is so funny. Because I was in sales, of course I had that opportunity, and, you know, or leadership roles have that too. But at the time, sales was the way for us to go. Now, my husband had been a manager. He was a middle manager for a company. And he was the big breadwinner. But after I reached top producer status in real estate, that year, I actually made, for the first time in my entire marriage, which was 15, 16, 17 years into the marriage, made more than my husband. Now, I'm Italian. You know that from my cooking section. But what you also have to know is that the old Italians, the women did not make more than the men. And if they ever did, you never talked about it and let anybody know. And I remember that Christmas, we were at my aunt and uncle's house and we were talking about different things. I don't even know how it came up, but I think I had just realized that I made more than Bruce, my husband. And my cousin, Carolyn, when I said, I made more than Bruce this year, my cousin, Carolyn went, and she put her hand on my mouth and said, oh, shh you'll embarrass him (laughs) to which my wonderful husband Bruce who did not grow up that way said are you kidding I'm asking her when I can retire (laughs) go Bruce but the thing is that it was shocking to me that I actually could do it so it changed everything for me and the most important part of this story is not about the money it's about what I learned from the process from this unprecedented success, I learned that it was possible, not just for everybody else, but for me. I also learned that I had been the problem all along simply because I never believed it was possible. And for the longest time before I actually did it, no one could have convinced me otherwise. But at that point in my life, And with the coaching that I was receiving and the examples all around me, I finally said, instead of why me, why why would I be able to do that? I started asking, why not me? Why not me? See, I had never believed it. But the other problem was that I'd gotten comfortable enough in my life. So there was no urgency to do something different. We had a nice home. We weren't starving. Our kids were able to go to school. I mean, everything was good. So why mess with it? But what I finally realized is this. Whether or not we make plans to do something big, our life goes on. We start at one point when we're born 
and we continually move toward the next point. Time never stops. It never slows down to wait for us to plan or take action. And it never turns back so we can capture something we may have missed along the way. And at one point, our life opens up before us like a wide crevasse. Our current life is where we are now. The life of our dreams is on the other side of the crevasse. In between, in the crevasse, lies an alternate life waiting for us, containing obstacles to overcome, alternate plans to make, and tougher actions required to reach our dreams. If we don't make plans well before we arrive at the edge of the crevasse to reach the life of our dreams, and if we don't act on those plans before we get to the edge, we will just fall into whatever life happens to be there when we arrive. Now, some people never fall into the crevasse because they've made plans to achieve their dreams before they reached it. For some, the crevasse is small and easily crossed. (laughs) But for others, like me, it looms before them like the Grand Canyon. And most of us don't plan or act quickly enough, and we land in that crevasse. Now, some of us land near the top of the crevasse. I call this the land of comfortable enough. But this can be a very dangerous place to live because things are good enough. There's no big pull to do anything differently. And we're often afraid to try because we may make our life worse. But if we continue to do nothing different, we could stay there forever, never quite reaching the life of our dreams. Or we could continue a slow downward slide, not even realizing it's happening and letting the life of our dreams slip further and further out of view. That's what happened to me. I got comfortable enough and allowed my career to take whatever twists and turns it would without planning, without thinking. And before I knew it, I was at the bottom of the crevasse without realizing how or when or why I'd even gotten there sitting there crying at my desk being treated like dirt by a man and his wife. See, it doesn't matter where in the crevasse we land. If we're in the crevasse, we're not in the life of our dreams. That's what I needed to realize. The life of my dreams was out there. It was possible. It was possible for me. And all I had to do was change the way I thought in order to reach it. So, are you in the crevasse? Are you trying to climb out of it? If so, find ways to overcome the obstacles that are in there and get out. In an instant, your life can change if you make the conscious decision to seize opportunities as they come along and do whatever it takes to reach the life of your dreams. And ladies and gentlemen, through that story, I hope to inspire you to look at your life and your career wherever it may be and look at the people whose lives and careers that you as a leader have the power to positively impact. If there's a way for you to help them get out of their ruts, to create a better life or achieve a better lifestyle through opportunities that you can provide for them, I hope you'll take that opportunity to do so and pay forward the great opportunities and successes that have been afforded to you. And that brings us to the human connection we have through the foods that we love and how that binds us all together, leaders and team members alike. My recipe this week 
is, again, not an Italian one, but instead of going to the Oriental or the Chinese side, I went this time to the Mexican side. And the recipe that, oh my gosh, I fell in love with is for shrimp soft tacos. Oh, these are out of this world. I actually tried them for the first time at a restaurant out here in one of the parks at Disney World. And it was just so fantastic. I came home and said, all right, I got to figure out how to make these things now. So I got a basic recipe and then started tweaking it. And, of course, on my show page under the recipe links, you'll see my recipe for shrimp soft tacos. I like them in the tortilla shells. I do like corn taco shells, but they fall apart so easily. And my husband isn't crazy about them. But when he tried the tacos in the soft tortilla, oh, my goodness. My whole family, in fact, went crazy for them. So you'll see on there there's a recipe for eight tacos. And it's like six medium shrimp in each of them. I just want to caution you. When you cook the shrimp, be really careful. I have you cooking them only about three minutes, and then you'll have to add some of the other things and cook it for a minute or two more. But really, be careful that you just cook those shrimp and keep tossing them so they don't get overcooked. Just cook them until they get pink because you don't want them hard like when you have shrimp cocktail. You probably noticed that your shrimp are really well cooked, and they're hard, and they hold up to that nice cocktail sauce but when they're in a soft taco or in any other recipe actually other than shrimp cocktail that is considered overcooked do not make your shrimp hard they should be soft and just cooked and you know until they're pink and then they uh the recipe calls for tomatillos not just regular tomatoes but tomatillos oh my goodness these are look like little green raw tomatoes but they are delicious they're a little bit different they're a little tough to peel cuz they're sticky when you get that little uh stuff off the outside of it the stem and this covering but man are they good so give shrimp soft tacos a try i think you'll enjoy it And with that, we'll conclude our show for today. I hope the information and stories I've shared with you have inspired you to look for ways to share your stories with your teams, your colleagues, and even your family members. The connections you'll make and the examples you'll provide will help humanize you and allow you to be a better leader because you're showing your teams how to succeed through your storytelling and communication skills. And as usual, if you enjoyed the show today, please spread the word. If you have any questions or ideas for me, including topics for future shows, I'd love to hear from you either on my show page or at sandy at thewowplace.com. I'm Sandy Giroux, wishing you all a wonderful week, and I hope to see you next Tuesday on my next episode of Leadership and Life. Have a good one. Thank you for joining Sandy Giroux for Leadership and Life. Be sure to tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you again next week.